0: There's times when the answer to a dilemma is so obvious it eludes you for entirely too long. Like complaining about the lack of Scottish ales to try when you can brew some yourself. So, that's what I'm brewing this episode. (music) Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt. And in this episode, I am brewing my first ever Scottish ale. A Scottish Ale is a malt-forward, flavor-rich, grainy, sometimes caramelly, a little bit roasty, yin to an IPA's yang, I guess you could say. It's it's the complete opposite of those hop-forward beers that are really kind of front and center in the craft beer world right now, and have been for quite a long time. It's a style that I absolutely love every time I get to have it. I'll buy one every time I see it on the shelves at a liquor store or a bottle shop. I'll order one whenever I see it on tap at a local brewery, which is pretty much next to never at this point, unfortunately. It's a style that doesn't get much attention both commercially and in the homebrew worlds. And homebrewing circles, in my experience, is generally the least entered category in a competition, at least ever since I've started judging. So since I like this style and I can't find it, and I know how to brew to a somewhat successful degree sometimes, I think it's high time I tried to brew one myself. And I do have an extra bit of motivation to do so, which I'll talk about more when we get to the tasting. There's three subcategories in the main Scottish Ale category in the BJCP guidelines, and that's Scottish Light, Scottish Heavy, and Scottish Export. Light, like the name suggests, is the lightest version of the beer, Then the export is the strongest, with the heavy falling somewhere in the middle. They all, for the most part, without reading the descriptions for all three beers, share the same characteristics, the malt-forwardness in both aroma and taste. Color is usually about the same range. Obviously, I think you'd expect the lighter to be lighter than the other two and then work its way up to the darkest being the export, but they're all that malt-forwardness, the sweetness, the, the, the graininess, all those characteristics are mentioned to some degree, if not directly repeated in the descriptions of all three of these styles. I'm going to try my hand at a Scottish export style today because I love multi-beer, so why not go for the biggest in this category? So, let's get this started and let's go to the brew day for my first ever Scottish ale. It's brew day for the Scottish Ale, and I'm kind of excited about this because I've not made one before, and it's actually a style I like. The very few I've had, and just reading the description of it seems like something I should have more of, and it's, well, it's the I'd say the first obstacle in that is that it's not readily available, and then the second is that I haven't brewed any, so am going to rectify that second obstacle, and who knows? I can't even speak about the first one, so I shouldn't even theorize anything. I've got the anvil set up, all the hoses connected. gonna plug it all in, get the water going, and then that will, I guess, officially launch the actual brew process. The water volume is pretty easy on this. It comes out to two gallons and two cups for the strike water and then half gallon for the sparge. I think it's slightly Uh, a little less than two cups but like i think it was like point 1.9 cups of water when i did the conversion of gallons i needed uh, i think it came out to 2.62 gallons and i think when i did that conversion into cups to try to start narrowing it down it said 1.9 i'm like close enough so i did a short pour on a two cup measuring cup so i'm putting the gallons two gallons in now then i'll put the Two cups in, or almost two cups, and then I'll put a half gallon aside, uh, additional to this, not from this, additional to this, aside for sparging. But I won't start heating it up for a little while, because it's a half gallon, and it's going to heat up pretty quick. I just turned on the foundry, so let's get the temperature set. I am going for a mash of 154 on this little... High because I want that multi-sweetness to linger in this style. So at 154, I'm going to turn the power to the heating element to 100, and then in about 10 minutes, this thing will fire up. I did time it a few episodes ago. It's about how long it's taking this the small anvil foundry to fire up. So I do need to write support and see what part is dying on this before it completely dies, and I'm in a situation where I'm half mashed in or whatever, full of liquid regardless of what what level of brewing we're at or stage of brewing and the whole thing quits cause I got a bad feeling that's what's gonna happen if I put this off. <laughs> During that ten minutes I got my brewing salts together and right when I finished is when the heater kicked on the heating element. So this is I like to get the temperature up to like ninety to a hundred before I try to dissolve the salts in the the mash, so not adding those quite yet. I am going to go and get the grist together. I figured I'd talk about that because there's quite a few things going on in this one. And I figured um, instead of trying to do it as I measured them out, it'll be much faster to read it first and then go ahead and take care of it. So that's what i going to do. It's going to start off with two pounds of Maris Otter as the base malt. Nice English base malt. Should be representative of that region. Should get that nice... Biscuity, little cracker, a little bit of sweet malt base to everything else that's going on top of that, which is a half pound of Munich light malt, which is another form of base malt, but not quite as much. It's going to add a little bit of, a little more of that kind of malt backbone, I think, or at least I hope it will. But then the specialty malts—that's so where things are going to really come together and get it to style. At least that's the theory, and that is. 40 L caramel malt, uh, just an ounce of that, one ounce of chocolate rye, a half ounce of 120 caramel malt, and then just under a half ounce, 0.4 ounce. Just a little more than a dash, and it's actually <laughs> could be a little too much, but I think it's gonna be work well with the all the other base malts. That's 0.4 ounces of special B. I I always preface my additions of special bees with I hope that's enough, or hope that's the right amount because a little bit of that. It was a long way. I had a pound of uncrushed Special bee for years. And I don't even think I got through it. I think it just went, it's been too many years. It's just, it's, it's been through too many temperature changes in the garage. It's It can't be what it what a, a fresh sample can be. And now I can actually buy it by, literally by the ounce from my new supplier. So I have a couple ounces at hand at all times in case I need it. And I'm not even going to use an ounce on this. I'll still have an ounce plus. So that's, that's a... Uh, It's been a better way to stock my my malts, especially ones that are very uh, rarely used in these one gallon batches. So that is the grist. I'm gonna go get get that together. I'll probably go ahead and mill it, and I'll probably (laughs) still be waiting. Uh, Hopefully by then the temperature's up to enough to add the salts, but then I know I'm gonna have to wait for the strike a little while yet. The mash is done, or at least the first phase of it, and now I'm going to set the foundry to 168 degrees for a 10-minute mash-out, I'm not going to increase the the uh, power on the heating element. I have found that when I crank it up to 100 on these very small batches, these one-gallon batches, tends to overshoot. And I don't mind getting to 70, but I mind getting past that and holding there. So 80 should keep it it might overshoot to 169 170 again i don't mind that but i don't think it's going to go farther than that i don't think it has enough power to quite do that much of a heat increase that quickly so once that gets going i am <laughs> after i think this is the last the recording was the last recording i did just address this i can't help myself uh after five minutes i'm going to add 0.15 ounce of triple crushed Carafa three under the top of the mash to give this a little more color because i looked at my recipe and I'm in the low range of the color as it is so if I add this and increase it a little bit and the molasses also increases it a little bit I according to the recipe just when I did I should still be low middle range so even if I go I have the entire second half of the scale to get to and exceed if I think I'm danger, interda- before I'm in any danger of it being completely out of style so I'm gonna do it <laughs> and I put it in the recipe now so i save it so i remind myself when i go back to this that that's something i did but i am going to add a little dusting of craft three on top in the last five minutes of the spar of the mash out recirculation and during the sparge can't help it have to do it i got to get that color (laughs) increase so uh so much for talking myself out of it just a few minutes ago let's see what happens in the next few minutes maybe i'll talk myself out of it again or into something else that i probably shouldn't do We're in the last few minutes of the mash out, and the that crushed up carafe has been on there for a few minutes. It has darkened it up a little bit, not a whole lot. It's getting more towards red. So hopefully, between the boil and the molasses, I'll be much happier with the color. I am actually glad I did this. It certainly is not going to be too dark. So, uh, well, (laughs) we'll see. Now I'm wondering if I should have done more, but now I'm not going to push it. Now I'm not going to push it. So i just, I think I got about a minute and a half left for this and then the um, sparge. So we still could be gaining a little bit of color that I'm not quite seeing yet before we get to the boil. The entire mash out is done. Well, I guess the entire mash, I was going to say the mash process from sparging. So I guess this is part of it as well, technically. So we'll say the mash out is done. I'm now up to sparging just a half gallon of water. This will not take long at all and then i let that sit for about 10 minutes to make sure all those sugars are rinsed off and dripped in and ready in the kettle and then i'm going to transfer that to well it's in the foundry kettle the foundry itself i'm going to transfer that into a kettle and get to the boil i transferred everything from the foundry into the boil kettle and i have that on the stove now heating up and looking at where the color is now and kind of imagining what boiling is going to do and the addition of the molasses is going to do. I, I think the last minute addition I did to the grist was the right thing. I, I'm much happier with the way this color is starting than what it was looking like it was going to start with. So I'm pretty, I think that was a good idea. I think it was a good addition. So we will we will find out. Even if it goes a little dark, I still have, like, like I said, as long as the recipe calculations were correct i still have the entire half of that range to cover and i don't think it's gonna get anywhere near there unless i overboil it which i certainly don't intend to do um there's something else oh pre-boiled gravity it took that uh, that was a little bit of a surprise it's 1036 the target was 1030 so a little high and i gotta go no i was just gonna say i have to see if this recipe was adjusted for it being low but i don't think that would be. I think it would be right on if it was, so it's even higher than that. If this does get to, let's see, gra- uh, starting gravity plus six points like this is, it'll be at 1039. My, my target is 10, or 1059. My target is 1053. That's still one point under the range. Again, these numbers don't necessarily mean anything because you don't submit them to a competition, but I am trying to reach that style range. I'm using them as a guideline. So I'm still within the range though, barely there, if if that's what ends up happening. Could be closer to 253 by the time we're done, who knows. So I'm gonna do an hour boil like the plan and I'm just waiting for it to heat up at this point. I'm not entirely sure I can describe how close to a disaster I just <laughs> came. I was cleaning up some of the foundry stuff, waiting for the boil, and I don't know if the atmosphere in the um, room is different or what's going on. But this thing apparently took a hell of a lot less time to get up to boil than it usually did. I turned around and there was a. Fo- it, was, it was almost like a like a a. a monster reaching out to me, a foam monster reaching, trying to come out of the pot towards me, and that was like just one (laughs) lean backwards into falling onto the stove, which the stovetop, the entire area is warm. Of course, it it radiates out. The hottest parts are are around the sides. If that had fallen out of the pot and hit that stove, it would have, since it was malt foam, basically sugar foam, it would have caramelized instantly, and I would be spending the final daylight, not even daylight hours, waking hours of the day, scrubbing that off the stove, and that, oh, that I, I can't believe how lucky I was to turn around when I did and see that. So, needless to say, once that settled down, I started the timer and I put in the only hop edition, which is the Magnum at 60 minutes, and now I got nothing else to do for uh, 50 minutes, I guess, except let my heart rate, uh, slow down now. Cause whew, that was, that was close. We hit that 10 minute mark and I started with the yeast nutrients first, then the molasses. Cause just by, when I was weighing it, I knew it was going to be a bit of a chore. And I thought the black treacle that I add to my old ale, which I did about a month ago now was thought that was tricky getting it into the boil pot that's that really that can't hold a candle to molasses molasses is slow i i get slow as molasses now that that phrase because man that was that took a while and i even put a little boiling wort into it and hoping it was in a plastic cup Hoping mean, it i went to melt the cup and put some off flavors in but it's i kind of spooned it in with a very shallow spoon and Held it for a couple seconds to let it cool. That seemed to be just enough heat to loosen it up. But it took took probably it's only 0.7 ounces, and it probably took about a minute, maybe closer to a minute and a half to get it fully fully in there. Like oh, the first twenty seconds were was it going slow as anything? But then the next forty is it, it once it once that little spittle trail goes, it started coming up. But when it stopped, that was the worst part. But it's done. Just a few more minutes here. I'm gonna put in a roll flock, little, just a little chunk of roll flock, and then when the boil is completely done, I'm gonna chill it. Okay, boil is done, and I have started chilling in right off the, right off the burner, right off the boil. The color, fantastic. Let's see, I'm gonna, like right now, it's hard to tell because it's in a, I don't know, 14 inch wide pot. So it all looks dark, but I just took the, a spoonful out of it, and it's just this deep amber-copper color. That's what I was looking for. I don't think it's going to look brown, even in a uh, full pint. I think it's still going to hold that, that dark amber color. That's what I was shooting for. Now, the, the range does vary. It, it can be light, but I think, when I think Scottish ales at least, and I think people that I've had enjoyed and talked beer with and judged with I think they expect it towards the dark amber side so that's good if this does go anywhere past past my my pint glass uh the aroma oh this smells so good (laughs) this smells so I love multi beers I mean I love I love a good example of almost every beer but I'd say my three favorite types of beer are a malt forward reddish amber beer followed by a nice Crisp, clean lager, and then like American Pale Ales probably fall next to that. I, I enjoy big, hazy IPAs. I enjoy Pale Ales. I enjoy a really well made Belgian from time to time. I can even enjoy a sour, but you put, you, we start talking Desert Island beers. What's in my cooler? It's, it's gonna be one of those three. So I am really looking forward to this beer. So I got some time until it chills and then I pitch yeast and even longer to wait to taste until uh, I taste it I should say but uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about what's left today before we wrap up uh, this portion of the show <music> I've almost got it chilled I just need to drop it five more degrees to get it to 67 that's about the, the temperature that is the temperature I'm shooting for it's not about I am shooting for 67 degrees if I overshoot it and get a little lower because I left it in the ice bath a little too long that's that's fine I am using tartan by imperial as the yeast strain which is the same as y yeast 1728 i believe the scottish ale strain so seems pretty appropriate for this beer and i'm really looking forward to the ester fruity esters a sweet esters the the yeast character that this i've gotten out of the strain in other beers i think it's going to go really well with what i'm but i've been just smelling haven't even tasted this yet when i'm smelling in this ward alone so i am getting more and more excited about this beer so uh so far so good for brew day but i haven't gotten a fermenter yet anything could happen between that and then but we will find out where we're at on the next recording which makes perfect sense that's how the show goes I am completely done. I have the beer in the fermenter. The yeast was pitched. This is, of course, done before I put it in the fermenter. And I have my gravity reading, and I'm just double-checking. Okay, it is uh, it is short. I knew it was short. I thought it was shorter than it was. It's This is interesting. I was six points over on my pre-boiled gravity. I'm exactly six points under of my target. I'm at 1047, not 1053, and I expected it to be like 10.50. Nine because of the way things have been going, but not that's not what happened, it's the way this one went. But it's still within range of an export. But in the end, again, if it gets anywhere past me drinking it, if it goes to competition, I will enter it as what it tastes like. It'll be a heavy and export, even if it tastes like a light. But I'm curious why the big difference, or if I wonder if I mismeasured the starting although i don't think i did i mean that would be it had to have been 26 that's a whole another range of numbers i was i would be looking at on the uh, refractometer so i don't know it's just a little short but it tastes phenomenal it tastes so good i tasted a sample of the wort cannot wait for this beer so now Now I have to wait. This there's nothing I can do but let the yeast do its job, and I will gladly let them do it because I cannot wait to see what this beer tastes like. It's quite a few hours since the last recording, and I've been still pondering what the heck happened. Why I'm pondering two things now. One, why are the numbers so low in the starting gravity? I mean, I always expect it to be lower because it usually is in these one-gallon, uh, like, hybrid things, but, like, they're within the range, or with, the, like, I would say three would be low, not six points low. And the other one, I, this happened after I record did the last recording. I emptied, it seemed like, an unusual amount of leftover wort out of that kettle. And there's always some, and I actually brew, I, I calculate to have some extra so we can kind of slowly pour it in and leave the, as much troub as we can in the kettle, that's that's uh, that, that's done on purpose. But this was more than that. This was, I was like kind of surprised how much was left over. So I still don't know what happened. And I came back to Beersmith and I was, I, I'm 99% sure if not more that uh, this is the original recipe. This wasn't a five gallon recipe or two and a half gallon recipe that I scaled down. But just to make sure I re-entered everything exactly the way it was in the equipment profile in case I w- was remembering wrong and this was a scaling thing and something went a little crazy in the conversion. All the numbers came out the same again. The same amount of water, same starting gravity, same or same pre-boil gravity, same st- starting gravity. And going walk, re-walking through my steps today, I don't see that I added too much water. I have... I had three one-gallon distilled water jugs. I have about a half-gallon left, which which I should have. It was 2.62 gallons, so a little less than half, but that thing didn't look short. And I I checked the recipe. Was it a 90-minute boil that I forgot? No, it's 60 minutes, so I don't know where I went wrong. I thought I boiled as vigorously, especially since the, the way the thing almost overboiled. That certainly was an indication that it was up to temperature. I know I turned it down right after that, but it was down for 30 seconds, if that. So, And I thought I went back to the normal rolling boil. Maybe I didn't. That's the only thing I can think of is why I had so much... I had to add a lot of things up here. The pre-boil gravity being over is throws a monkey wrench into there being too much water. Or or I kind of, I shouldn't say that. In that theory, at least. That at least kind of um, supports the fact that there wasn't too much water or else that would have been low as well. So the fact that it was over, I don't think there was too much water. Having more left over at the end of 60 minutes and having uh, the low gravity miss, makes me think I just didn't boil vigorously enough and i certainly boiled long enough i uh, the timer was 60 it was an hour it's not <laughs> it certainly felt like an hour the only way i can really prove that is to go back in my the t- time stamps on my my recordings and see what time i recorded the when i dropped the first boil edition to the time i recorded saying the boiling was done and make sure that was an hour i guess i could do that but i think at that point i'm like I'm chasing ghosts. I think it's, it was just... Oh, my dog. You probably heard my dog bark. She's tired. She's like, shut up. Just enjoy your beer. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that's good advice she just gave me in my own head. I should just uh, I, I, I just chalk it up to, I don't know, what, um, uh, just... I think it has to be the boil. I just didn't boil vigorously enough, I guess. It'll be interesting to see what happens in a couple of days. I'm gonna do a gallon batch again, same way. Uh, with the anvils, the mash and boil on the stove. I've done this 30 times, so I should know what to expect on here, but this one, this is this number is too big of a deal. And that was too much left over for me to kinda of let this go. But I guess I have to, because everything's now Down, literally down the drain, and uh, well, except for the and now we're we're fermenting, so uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of share that and sound it out in my head. And hopefully, I was maybe kind of hoping describing this might have led me to another idea, but I don't know, it's got to be the boil, that's all I can think of. So, like I was saying and trailed off, I'm going to be doing this again in two days, so I'll see where those numbers land. And if they're right on, then I don't know, or if they're off, I that, well, that's another. That's literally another show. So I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Regardless of all that, I, it's not taking away anything from how excited I am to try this one because that wort tasted so good. I could have drank that by itself, though. The sugar content is probably an unhealthy amount, even at the even missing that target. But it tasted so good, and I know what tartan yeast does to. To sugars like that. I can't wait. I cannot wait to try this beer. This is the most excited I've been about a new beer in a very long time. It's been five days and it looked like the activity the entire fermentation activity and not just airlock is the first indication, first thing I look at, I should say, but took a real look inside the uh fermenter didn't see really anything not even a little bit of co2 rolling up from the sides or the bottom so i took a gravity reading to see where the scottish ale is at and it's at 1.007 so i think it's just about done and a little drier than i expected although my refractometer to what do you call it to gravity um, calculator that i use i think always pulls it in a little lower than it really is just so i'm not too worried about it being too dry but I did taste a, the sample that I pulled, and the little bit I had was, was quite good. It had a little bit of that caramel sweetness, a little bit of kind of a, a toffee dark sugar flavor, which I think is a leftover of the molasses, and had a super strong bready character like on the finish. But I think that's because it's young. It's five days old that bready character is gonna gonna meld in with those other things I tasted really really well. I'm really happy so far. So I'm gonna let it go for a couple more days just to make sure. And um yeah that's about all I can really do with it because I think it's all but ready but I st- want to make sure I don't want to keg it too early. I, I'll take a reading I think in two days if it's still the same then I that I know it's done. I might actually keg it then and let it kinda Finish itself out in a keg before I carbonated. I'm not quite sure, but so far so good. Again, a beer I'm very excited about. It is tasting time for the Scottish ale that I have in front of me. Let's talk about appearance first. Beautiful, not quite copper, little bit of reddish amber, not mahogany and not just amber. It's in between those two colors. Beautiful. Color, very rich, very inviting looking, very clear, super, super clear. And that was from the, I did use silafine in a keg and let it sit on it for a couple of days. And that is as about the best keg-finding agent I have used in all my years of brewing. Head poured better than it held for the picture. And it came up pretty... Uh, medium ba- uh, bubbles, some fine bubbles, not moussey at all, just a regular beer head. It did fall pretty quick to a fairly thick collar right now and a respectable layer of fine bubbles on top. But uh, let's get into the aroma and taste. Just sweet malt aromas all across the board. Rich malt aromas. Get a little bit of breadiness just a super tiny hint of roast with a tiny hint of sweet caramel almost like a milk caramel, like a like, the, like a candy caramel. The graininess, the breadiness, a little bit of biscuit comes through really, really well. No hop aroma. This has, next to no hops in it, it has, as you probably guessed from the, just even the style introduction, a little bit of... Maybe, maybe some sweet stone and palm fruits from the yeast esters, but it's malt, 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 like all kinds of malt. Just a nearly, don't, bordering on complex, it's, it, it's a simple breadiness of the base malts, and then just a little bit of everything else from each specialty malt that's in here. Now, let's get to the taste. The taste absolutely follows through on the aroma. First thing that you get is that kind of the, 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 the grain, the, the grain that it's a man, what the heck would I even compare it to? It's, it's a, like a bread crust at first followed by a little bit of kind of a, a soft biscuit taste and a little bit of um, cracker. I get cracker out of it, like a white saltine, unsalted cracker, but in a nice way. And then just. This lovely (laughs) caramel sweet riding on the finish and the palate the kind of follow right through on that. And then just the ever so slight taste of roast and clean, clean, clean. This is such a clean beer. And let me taste it again because this is such a fun beer to drink. And I will tell you, I knew what I was getting into when I tasted this because I sampled this as I bottled and was loving every second of it. It's an absolutely beautiful beer, like uh, flavor-wise aroma to look at. It's so good. Um, As much as I can enjoy a hoppy beer, and there's just some nights where I am a hophead, I am in the brewery, and I want all the hops that you got. Give Give me your pails, give me your IPAs, give me your double IPAs, triples. Now quadruples are showing up. Then there's some days where I want a nice crisp lager, and that's all I want to drink. It's so damn hot out. Then there's those days where it's like, malt is as important as hops and beer and when they're done right and showcased right that's another fine beer and there's really no comparison from the there's there's not there's not a lager that's like that and there's not an IPA that's like that and that's a nice treat to have as well and this falls in that category now i wish this was the beer you heard me brew and i'll explain I did make this beer. The beer that I'm drinking right now, I did make. The beer I recorded for this episode is does not taste like this. It didn't go bad, but it's not like this. And I have a glass here, and I will tell you what that tastes like, and then I'll explain the rest of what happened. So color-wise, it's actually almost the same. Uh, I would say this one's... Maybe a touch darker, but it's very clear head was about the same level. There's, there's no, uh, wheat or carapels in there to really assist the head. Uh, so I don't, that's kind of what I expect for both beers. Now, aroma wise, I do get the breadiness, the grains, but I don't get much else. Maybe, maybe I get some dark sugars if I really search, but the complexity is not there. Now let me get to the taste on its own. And. It actually gets worse by comparison to the first beer on its own. It's just, it's underwhelming. There's nothing wrong with it. The fermentation was clean. It's not infected. There's just this like lacklusterness to it. It's it's got some of the elements you expect. It's very malt forward. There's a breadiness to it. Um, it's not as complex as like with bread crust, bread and cracker and biscuit. It's kind of just got a little bit of the raw grain that you get get out of a malt forward beer and a little bit of breadiness and not much after that. There's a suggestion of caramel sweetness. If that makes sense, it's like, Oh, I want to be here, but (laughs) I'm not quite coming out. And the strongest, and I use that word very liberally. The strongest flavor after that is a touch of roastiness, but that's, that barely is in there at all. And when I tasted this, when I bottled, or no, I'm sorry. When I carbonated, I was like, this beer is just not going to, like, I'm not going to do, use this beer the way I intended. And that's just harkening back all the way to the beginning of the episode where I said I had an extra motivation to make this beer now. After deciding to make a Scottish Ale, our one of my brew clubs, the one that does the inter-club competitions, announced that the first inter-club competition of the season is going to be Irish and Scottish beers. I was like, wow, that's perfect timing. So, I wanted to enter. This is the first inter- comp- inter-club competition I've entered with this club. So, I wanted to put in my best effort. And having tasted the first version of this beer, the one that you heard me brew, that was not. I was like, this is not the best I can do. I I know what's wrong with this. I know I can fix it. Do I have enough time to do that? And I had just enough time to do a one-gallon batch. So, I re Formulated the recipe almost to its entirety, and I will go through that here because it's only fair to share what that recipe is after going through this entire episode of a beer that I am not declaring a good beer, and brewed it again, fermented for 10 days, kegged and cleared for 10 days, carbonated, bottled. So all together, 14 days of work for this beer, and then the next day was the competition. Yeah, and I will get to how that went here in a second as well. Let's talk about the recipe. So the recipe changed. You, you heard me list the recipe that I don't suggest to me in the episode. Here's the recipe that I love. This beer is so much different. And there's significant differences. And it probably makes sense why the flavors are coming out more in this recipe than the other. So starting with the base grains. I still started with Maris Otter, but I also split that in half with Golden Promise. That was mainly due to what I had on hand and what I need the rest of my Maris Otter for. But I really think that helped make that base grainy and bready flavor and biscuit flavor I'm talking about. I think that's what actually made that happen. So that was one pound and four ounce of each of those. Again, this is for a one-gallon batch. Then I put in 4.5 ounces of Crystal 40 L, and that is 5 times the amount of 40 crystal malts than in the original recipe. And now I finally am getting the caramel flavor and the sweetness that I did not get in the first version. Along with that, I put in 1.2 ounces of 120 L. That's almost three times the amount, not quite, almost three times the amount of what I put in the original recipe. So that definitely helped accentuate the sweetness as well. There was a, apart from the, kilned crystal caramel malts. So there was like a natural sugar sweetness without being using sugar that was missing that I wanted. And I thought the best choice for that was honey malt. Cause I get a very good natural sweetness out of it. I don't necessarily get exactly like honey, but I still get a good uh, um, flavor out of it. And I put in 2.4 ounces of that. And I think that's what is tying in the caramels to the base malts extremely well. Now, to get the color up and to add one more level of complexity, give it that kind of roast, but not roasty flavor. And in this, in this, the the, the, and the version of the beer I like has has a hint of roast. And that is drawing mostly from the pale chocolate that I've added. I'm putting in 0.5 ounce of pale chocolate and that completely replaces the chocolate rye from the first, first recipe. I, I think the uh, chocolate rye didn't do anything special there is a roast character in that first beer but i it being rye, i don't, didn't think really added anything so i went with a pale chocolate because i really just love pale chocolate when it comes to get, getting that flavor profile and then for the color i did point in i uh, put in the that addition of Carafa three but in this case, I did not do this on the anvil. So it wasn't a late addition for color. It, I went directly in the match because I ended up doing this in a bag, the bag in the cooler method that I do that I usually save for like just raw test batches and then refine them on the anvil. I did not have time to do that. I had to do this on a weeknight on a week. I was <laughs> work was what w- was hectic. I won't get into those details. So I really had to s- literally squeeze this brew night in. And that, that is the quickest way to do it. In fact, along with that, I also did a 30 minute boil and adjusted my hop additions for this one. I just used East Kent Goldings just to get about 20 IBUs of bitterness. I think it came out to like 18.5 by calculation. I'm not quite sure chemically what it was. At 30 minutes, normally I would do probably a 60 minute boil to get a little more caramel color, uh, uh car- caramelization, although clearly the second beer does not need it. But if I were to, if I had the time, that's what I would have planned to do, but I only did 30 minutes. So I adjusted my hops for that. I don't know what the amount was, but the IBUs were, well, they were, I think they're 18, 18.5 IBUs. Cause this is not a hoppy beer. I also stuck with the tartan yeast. Uh, That is there. I had no complaints with the yeast character in the first beer and I got it done in time for the, the uh, night we had to drop them off to the meeting and for the competition. And I'm glad I did that because it won. I I mean, first place we had, we do third, second and first, like you would for any other competition and it won first place. And, I was probably the most surprised person in the room because I just, I I was more concerned about putting my best effort in because the first one I knew I could do better. And of course, I mean, I I said this more than once before. I, I don't, you know, you don't enter something hoping to lose, but I wasn't expecting to necessarily win overall. I, I, I thought it had a good shot at being in the top three, but To win overall was a big surprise, and I was really happy to – well, obviously happy (laughs) to win, but I was really happy to – my first one with this new club to win because I don't don't think there's anyone in there that doesn't think I'm there to try to do my best and do best for the club, but it's nice to show, I think, everyone that you are taking – the club and the competitions seriously and trying to help with the circuit, which is the main reason I joined this particular club is to try to get the Circuit Cup back, the Florida Cup, back in Orlando. And I think I feel this club has the best chance and that's where I'm putting my efforts this year. So it was just it was just nice to kind of fully Say I am here to do the best I can for this club this season. And so that was that was a that was a good night. <laughs> it was a really good night. And on top of that I still have some of that beer left. So I'm gonna do my usual kind of questions here and I will tell you these. the answers apply to the second version of this beer because I'll tell you right now, I'm never going to make that first one again. I'm never going to enter a competition, and it's already been changed. So I guess that is there, there's the answers. I ended up answering it anyway. But as far as the second beer, the first one, then the second beer I brewed, I was going to say the first one I tasted, I hope you're keeping this straight. I've now been sipping on two beers so, and no lunch, so things are getting a little... You can figure the rest out there. Um, the questions are: Will I make this again? Absolutely. I I'm hesitant to convert this recipe to to a two and a half or five gallon batch because uh one gallon came out so damn good, but I want more of this for several reasons: for competition, for um, drinking, and maybe even for a festival. Festival will be a good test for a five gallon batch and see if it if it translates up as well. But I may just make another one gallon batch for to get another couple competitions out of it because it came out so well. I'm not sure. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. So I'll definitely make this again in one form or another, if not more forms. Am I going to enter into a competition? I already have. We just talked about that, and I have enough to enter. It's it's too late for the first competition of the season. That window is closed. They're actually starting to – I believe they're judging right now. I think I saw a post on their Facebook page today that they're judging as I'm like recording this or before I sat down to record this. So, judging is going on. Second competition registration is coming up in a week, actually. Well, f- actually five days from now. So, I am going to snag a spot. Specifically for this beer. I'm going to try to snag the maximum, but this beer is going in. So, yes. Would I change anything? Not yet. Nope. Nope. I am so happy with the second version of this beer that I cannot wait to make it again. Exact same way. The exact same way. And ha- the mash the mash bag. Well, let me make one point on the mash bag. I did. Something I forgot to mention in the recipe. I did increase the mash temperature to 155 degrees to get some more complex sugars out of it that wouldn't ferment. And this rarely happens. I actually hit 155 going into that cooler and it only dropped like 0.3 degrees in the 40 minutes that I mashed. So that's a little risky. I may just, the first conversion I might do in this recipe is a one gallon anvil recipe so that I can maintain that 155 temperature. Because I think that was a huge factor in the change of this beer from first recipe to second, which I failed to mention, but I'm glad I remembered So that change might happen, but I'm only going to do a half hour boil because I just liked the way that came out. And I saved myself a half hour that night. It'd be nice to save my half hour on every brew I make since I brew so much lately. So that might be something I might consider for beers like this, particularly malt forward beers um, that don't necessarily need caramel, uh, kettle caramelization. So... Um, I think those are the three questions. Any other questions that I've had? I think I answered in all the ramblings I did. I think this is one of the longest tastings I've done, but I had to describe two beers. Such a weird episode. I know. I mean, I, (laughs) everything you heard pretty much was pointless. Actually, it's not true. You know what not to do for a Scottish ale. And then I shared in the end what to do for a Scottish ale. Um, what a weird experience this was because I did not. Like when I first tasted the first beer, I was like, well, I'm screwed. I mean, this is not going to do anything. And I don't even think I'm going to enter it. And then later that night, I'm like, you got time. You know how to fix this. Or at least you have an idea how to fix it. And that's better than not knowing what to do at all. Do it. So I did that next night and squeezed this all in. And this might be the fastest um it's like competition, like seriously style dialed in focus beer I've made and it paid off. So it's, it's been a fun experience, but a weird experience. And I hope I don't have to do something like this again anytime soon. And that the episodes that you hear will be more like the ones that came before this. So on that note, I've gone on long enough. I will say of course thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging in there. I hope, even though it's such a weird is a like such a weird twist in the story here that it was still entertaining to listen to, and I will be back. I do believe if I'm looking at the calendar right, I might be wrong. I do believe I'm looking at the calendar right, the Iron Brewer festival special may be next i could be a week off depending on what footage or uh, what recordings i get and what editing but i hope that's next if not it's going to be after that and then i know for a fact the next well i hesitate to say brewing episode is going to be completely different it is going to be revealed in that episode i'll wait till then for it to to uh explain itself so again until then thank you so much for listening and i will see you in that next episode